In the name of the God who is holy, 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you let your imagination run wild, what would your greatest success look like? Building a business that becomes a Fortune 500 company? Getting into your dream school on a full scholarship? Graduating summa cum laude and then landing your dream job after graduation? Discovering or inventing something that would make you rich and famous? Perhaps becoming our nation's most beloved president and being the fifth face on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Having your kids be happy, financially independent, and winning Olympic gold or the Nobel Prize. Being the rector of the largest church in Salisbury. Whatever your wildest dream is, now imagine reaching it only to hear Jesus say to you, as he said to Peter, James, and John, leave it all behind and follow me. Peter had just pulled in a catch so large that he had to call for other boats to help pull it in. So many fish that the boats began to sink. He was about to become the top fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He was a shoe-in for the next cover of Field and Stream magazine. But Jesus does not say to him, great, do you see how I have blessed you? I need you to take 10% of that income from this hall and start a church. And then I need you to use those extra fish to set up a feeding ministry. No, Jesus said, leave it all and follow me. As we are continuing to consider the sacrament of baptism on these Sundays after the Epiphany, the aspect of baptism for our consideration today is that baptism plunges us into the crazy call of discipleship. In a sermon that inspired a book, presiding Bishop Michael Curry said, those who would follow Jesus, those who would be his disciples are called and summoned and challenged to be as crazy as Jesus. Because when we stop and think about it, according to the logic of our world, it is kind of crazy to give our money to those in need. It is crazy to love our enemies. It is crazy to forgive those who have wronged us. It is crazy to give God the, the, the credit for our accomplishments. It is crazy to proclaim that an itinerant first century Jew who was executed by the state was actually the second person of the Holy Trinity. And then he rose from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and now sits enthroned on high. It is crazy to claim that when we gather in his name, we receive his body and blood, and we willingly consume it. This is crazy stuff. Baptism at its most basic level can be described as being united to Christ in his death, so that we are joined to him in his resurrection. Now the resurrection part, that makes sense. After all, who does not want abundant and eternal life? But the death part, that's crazy. God does not eliminate death and say, you're not gonna have to deal with that anymore. Rather, God gives us a way through death. This is at 
at the center of that well-known passage in John where Jesus tells Nicodemus that we have to be born anew. Death is something that we have been taught to fear and avoid. But as one of the great prayers of our prayer book puts it, the way of the cross is the way of life. The Christian life is one in which we have died to ourselves so that we can be alive to God in Christ. This is what the 20th century pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer meant when he wrote, when Christ calls us, he bids us come and die. Now for Bonhoeffer, this was a very literal death at the hand of the Nazis. For others of us though, it will be the death of our egos, the death of our bank accounts, the death of obsessing over our faults and mistakes, the death of what we had planned our lives to look like, the death of our insistence on doing things my way or the highway, the death of our perfectionism, the death of our need to always be right. Now for a lot of us, these are the very things that culture teaches us are the most important. The call to leave it behind and follow Jesus is taking our diplomas and resumes and running them through the shredder. It is, as that lovely hymn puts it, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Or as St. Paul once put it in a letter, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now that word rubbish is a very polite translation. Other translations put it as sewer trash, which is still polite. The word means dung. And without God, ultimately, that is all we have. Goodness, beauty, love, joy, all the things that make life worth living are gracious gifts from God, not things that we can make for ourselves. And one way or another, life has a way of teaching us this lesson. Sometimes it's through a crisis or a diagnosis or a tragedy, sometimes a gift. But unless we live our entire lives as Ebenezer Scrooge, even if we don't want to admit it, eventually we all figure out that the best life is the one that is received and lived as a gift. Now for Peter, it happened on a night after being on a ship, catching nothing. Have you ever felt that way? Fruitless? Like you just can't catch a break? Like you keep coming up empty? And usually when we are in that place, the last piece of advice that we want someone to give us is try it again. But there Peter is, he's already cleaning up his nets, putting them away. The last thing he wants to do is get back out on the water and repeat the whole miserable experience. But he does it anyway. And God often meets us exactly in those places of despair. Maybe you are in a place where faith doesn't make much sense, where hope seems pointless but you feel that little tug of grace, or you have a crazy invitation come your way. 
And that may, may very well be God preparing you for the catch of a lifetime. Now, to say that I was in a bad place would not be right. I was just in a normal place. Though I had first, first sensed the call to priesthood when I was a 12-year-old acolyte, that sense of call faded when we moved from a church that valued the ministry of acolytes to one that didn't. And so when I went away to college, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. One day, a friend of mine asked if I wanted to go to a Christian concert with him. I did not want to go. That wasn't really my sort of thing. But I couldn't come up with a reason not to go. So I went. Now, you might correctly guess that guitars and drums are not a part of my spirituality. It's not my preferred musical style. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit used that night to remind me of God's abundant love, and it reignited the call in me. So don't ever underestimate the power of an invitation, especially the ones that seem a little crazy. And I do want to be very clear about this. Each and every single one of you is called by God. A call is not just for the clergy. And a call has no expiration date. Remember that you're never too old to be called by God. Abraham and Sarah were in their 90s before God called them. And I am so inspired by those of you who clearly have been called by God to do the work that you do. Some as teachers, some as physicians, some as accountants, some in sales, some as parents, some as volunteers at church and in the community. The call to follow Christ is as diverse as we are. And the result of Peter's one last attempt at fishing is the sort of abundance that comes only from God. And Peter immediately knows that's who he's encountered. There is such abundance in Jesus that there is only one possible explanation. This is God. These first disciples embody a parable that Jesus will later tell. That the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. They give up everything that they had worked for to follow Jesus because they recognize that in him, they have seen God. And this is quite crazy to believe that and live as if the values that our culture has given to us are rubbish and to believe that most of what we have been taught is wrong. But this is precisely the call that Jesus issues to us, to leave it behind and follow him because he is the way and the truth and the life. Yes, baptism is always about God's grace, always about God's loving, saving, and redeeming action towards us. And in addition to this, baptism is about transformation and new birth as we die to ourselves and rise in Christ. So whether we want to call it craziness or transformation or sanctification or holiness, there is the sense that in baptism, because the Holy Spirit is implanted in us, that we are going to grow and change. In the reading from Isaiah, we heard of Isaiah's encounter with God, in which the seraphim are around the throne of God and they sing that God is holy, holy, holy. 
We tend to think of holy as a word about ethics or morality, that being holy is about being good or following the rules. But that is not what holy means here. Rather, holy means to be different or distinct. The claim is that God is utterly different from us, as God is perfect in love, perfect in mercy, perfect in being. This holiness, this sense of being different, is what we are baptized into. God does not call us into being a better version of ourselves. God does not say, follow me into living the life that will land you on the who's who's list. No, we are baptized into God's holy holiness. As Jesus says in John, you are in the world, not of the world. In other words, Christianity should be weird. Now, does this make Christianity difficult? Yes, it does, if we are measuring by the standards that the world has given to us. Following Jesus is quite difficult. This is perhaps why St. Augustine famously prayed, O Lord, make me a Christian, but not yet. Because following Jesus really is the most natural thing in the world. It's just that we've been distracted from seeing that. Our values in the church should be unintelligible to the world. But sadly, you know this is not the case. The church has become a part of the establishment. And in doing so, we have largely stopped following Jesus as we are chasing power and wealth, prestige, comfort, influence. We've neutered the gospel domesticated the call to be disciples. Gone is the radicality and the craziness of our faith. The early church grew exponentially, and it was also a time when martyrdom was at its highest, when people were willing to die for the faith. Today, well, I can't help but notice that the coffee shops, sports and concert venues and restaurants are all full. There's plenty of space in the pews. This is because either the call to discipleship is laid out in its truly crazy terms and is rejected for being just too much, or more often the faith is laid out in a watered-down way and it's rejected as being worthless. Our call, though, is into holiness, into the difference that Christ makes which is right at the top of our parish's identity statement. Christ makes all the difference. He turns our sins into forgiveness. Both Peter and Isaiah confess their sins when they come and see the holiness of God. Christ turns our despairs into hope, our sorrow into joy, our estrangement into beloved community, our gifts into calls, our lack into abundance, our death into life. Following Christ takes us on an amazing, wonderful, and wild adventure. Following Christ is the gift of living a life that is resonant with the deepest truths of reality, a life that goes with the grain of love, a life in which we can be assured that in the end all things shall be well. Baptism is when we are plunged into this holy difference of God, into the kingdom of God that stands as our alternative to all the idols we have made for ourselves. 
It is the invitation of discipleship, the call of faith, and the meaning of baptism. Come and see the difference Christ makes.